Jesus' first disciples were ordinary, everyday people who were so convinced of who Jesus was that they were willing to give up everything to follow him. To them, being a Christian wasn't about a program or an event. Life was their program, and every day was their event. As Christians, we aren't called to be religious do-gooders, but instead to grow up in every way into Christ, who's our head. In every way means in everything. We're to be disciples every day, not just Sundays. My name is Keegan. I'm human. I'm also the lead pastor of our Belt and location. If this is your first time, I'm really glad that you joined us today. I hope that you felt welcome uh, from the parking lot to the moment you walk through the doors. We really do uh, want to make sure that people feel that they can walk through these doors no matter where you're at in life, and you're going to get loved on. Uh, not just by us, but hopefully that you'll experience God's love as well. Um, I'm excited. We're in a second week of a three-week series called The Everyday Disciple. Around here, we don't believe that Christianity uh, looks like just being a weekend warrior, right? It's not enough to just give our everything to Jesus for, you know, an hour or two hours on a Sunday morning. We believe that if you're going to truly follow Christ, it's an everyday commitment. Anybody with me? Okay, we're in the right place then. So we've got we've to be passionate. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be pursuing God each and every day. We can't just rest on what he's done, you know, ages ago or, or years ago or whatever. We've got to be pursuing God every day. And so last week, we talked about how we've got to get our thinking right. Because everything that we do begins, first of all, with our thoughts. And what do we believe? Establishing. What do we believe? Do we believe in God? Do we believe God? Do we believe his word? Or do we just believe our own thoughts? Do we believe what the world tells us ought to be true? Right? We've got to establish that. Because as we think, so we go. And so that moves us into what we see, which is what we're going to talk about today. The vision that you have for your life is going to be one that either you come up with on your own or one that you get from God. And we're going to talk about why the latter is the better. And then next week, we're going to talk about once we've got our thinking established in the right way and we know and we're seeing the world the way God wants us to see it as well as our own lives, then we're going to move into talking about what we actually do. Because I don't know about you, but God gave us a skeletal framework so that we could walk around and we could do things. We're not just blobs sitting around, right? It's not about just sitting somewhere under a tree and gaining all this knowledge about God. No, God actually calls us to do something with everything that he gives us. And so that's not, shouldn't be the, the, the whole sum of our life. We're human beings, not human doings. You've heard that. But at the same time, God gives us assignments. He gives us purpose and direction for our lives to ultimately uh, fulfill our lives, but to more importantly, bring glory to him and to testify to who he is in the earth. And so I'm excited about this. I want to give you this picture um, because like I said, this is not just our first series that we're doing to start off 2023. This is really going to be a theme throughout the entire year that we're going to come back to. And for some people, it helps to have a visual. So I want you to think about thinking, seeing, and doing. This is the pattern of our life. You know, if we find ourselves getting involved in behavior that isn't what God wants us to be, to be doing, we got to look at how that happened, right? It didn't just start by us just going and doing uh, wrong things. It started by having wrong thoughts and then seeing things wrongly, and then therefore we end up doing wrong. And so this is just, if it's helpful, take a picture of it, um, and we can come back to it. But like I said, we're going to talk about vision today and what we see. I love this illustration, this story about Walt Disney. It says, one day, Disney took his daughter to a kiddie park. 
As she went round and round on a ride, he was impatiently waiting and bored out of his mind. All of a sudden, he began to have a vision of a place where parents and children could have fun together. In 1955, the Disneyland dream became reality as the first new home for Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, and Donald. Today, his Disney parks operate in California, Florida, France, Japan, and others around the drawing board. Someone once asked while walking through one of his parks, I wonder what Walt Disney would think if he could see all this today. To which the other person replied, believe me, he saw it. This was his vision. That's the power of vision. You know, it's common in our society and in our culture now. How many of you have heard of, of making a vision board? You know, this is something that people do. They, they get their poster board from Hobby Lobby or Michaels or wherever they go, and they start going through magazines. If Magazines are still a thing, right? Some people have magazines. <laughs> or maybe they just, you know, print something out from the internet and cut it out. But they get the, you know, maybe it's the Range Rover, or maybe it's the, you know, pictures of Bora Bora where you want to go. And, you know, all these things that we want to do and we want to obtain. You know, maybe it's a, a picture of a business that you have a vision to run. And there's nothing wrong with a vision board. It's actually a godly thing to want to have a vision for your life that you're aiming at, that you're intentional about pursuing. The problem is, for a lot of people, even Christians, they put these vision boards together without actually asking God what his vision for their life is. And do you know that we can actually pursue something in our life and even obtain it and still miss what God actually had for our lives? That's a really sobering thought. I don't want to live my life in one direction and then get to heaven and be standing before God and, and go, oh, that actually isn't what you wanted me to do with my life. Come on, that'd be disappointing, right? But God has a vision and purpose for each and every one of our lives. And how many of you know he'll tell you if you ask him? How many of you when, that have kids or even just you know, people that you work with or friends, when they ask you questions, you just remain silent and don't answer them. Right? Your kids walk up to you and ask, you know, my, my daughter, Tehila, she asks a lot of questions. She's a talker. And so she'll ask me questions, and I don't just stare at her and mute. You know, hey, Dad, what are we going to do today? But honestly, a lot of people feel like that's how God treats them. Like they ask God questions, and they really don't think he's answering. Or that he won't tell you. He will. God would love to tell you and share with you the vision that he has for your life. And here's the thing. A lot of times it'll line up with giftings that you have or abilities that you have or talent or passions that you have. You know, a lot of times God puts those things in us so that it'll, it'll kind of lean us in the direction that he knows he wants us to go in anyway. And so a lot of times it works hand in hand. But, but we're going to talk about that today. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the King James Version. I like this version in Proverbs 29, 18. The message translation says this. If people can't see what God is doing, that is if they don't know his vision for them, they stumble all over themselves. Come on, have any of you stumbled all over yourselves trying to figure out what in the world am I doing with my life, God? What direction do you want me to go in? I feel like I'm just here and I'm just going through motions, but I don't have this deep sense of a purpose. Well, it's because maybe you don't have God's vision for your life yet. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. See, here's the thing about a vision for your life. It's got to come from God. Even the word for vision in that scripture actually is where we get the word revelation. Because just like truth, it's not something that we make up or we invent. Truth is God's truth. And so he reveals it to us. And as we ask, he'll show us. 
It's the same with the vision for our lives. If we ask him, he'll show us. He'll reveal it to us. Write this down. This is in your notes. A personal vision connects your life to significance and purpose. How many of you want to live a life of significance and purpose? We're going to raise our hand a lot today. We got a lot to be in agreement about. That's right. Come on. I don't, nobody wakes up going, I just want to live a meaningless life. I want to be as, you know, unimportant and just wander around aimlessly. No, no one. There's some people that do that, but that's not, it's only because they haven't really learned how to live their life with vision and purpose yet. But there's this thing that God puts in us. We desire to be significant and to have purpose in our life. Characteristics of a personal vision. I'm going to give you five things today. So if you're taking notes, uh, you can do that on the app. We've got handouts. But number one, your vision must start with God. It must start with God. That is if it's going to be worth anything. Right? We don't want endless pursuits for, for things that are just going to pass away. Every vision that God gives us has eternal value. Everything that God asks us to do will have eternal value. Right? Our lives are not here just to be lived as islands unto ourselves. No, we're supposed to live a life that brings glory to him, that informs others of his love and, and, and that shares the gospel. No matter what your vocation is, you have a calling and a purpose to share the love of Christ. You know, I may do it from, from a pulpit or, you know, it's 2023, so I got a little table instead. But I may stand up here in church and this is part of what God's called me to do. But for a lot of you, you're, you're called, your pulpit or your table, if you will, is in your cubicle. You know, some of you are, are, are working in, in nail salons. Some of you are working, you know, retail. And every person that walks through, you've got an opportunity to share the love of Christ. To, to have meaning and purpose in what you're doing, no matter where it is, no matter what your vocation is. But you only recognize that and are intentional about it when you've got it in front of you. When you wake up thinking about that. You know, vision is something that once you ask God and he gives it to you, you should write it down. And you should, you know, some people write it in their bathroom, on their, on their mirrors. Some people, you know, write their vision on a little sticker on their dashboard in their car. Something where it can be in front of you so that you can continually see it. Because how many of you know we, we forget things? And we get distracted. Anybody get distracted? You know, maybe it needs to be your, your screen, your whatever, the wallpaper on your phone. Could be the vision that God's have so that every day you see it and you say, Lord, I'm going to purpose myself with my actions and my thoughts to pursue that that you've called me to do. That's how you keep it in front of you. That's how you keep from drifting. Number two, your vision should push you forward. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance. Say every hindrance. And the sin that so easily ensnares us. Come on. Sin can easily ensnare us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, our vision should push us forward. I shared this with the first service. This is something that I apply to my spiritual life, but I don't always apply it in my physical life. And what I mean by that is, Unlike Tommy Hodges, I don't go to the gym six days a week. And you can see I don't have the fruit of someone who goes to the gym six days a week, right? But he knows if he wants his body to look a certain way and he wants to feel a certain way, what has he got to do? He's got to put that time in. He's got to do the reps. 
but he's motivated, right? He's motivated to go through the process. And we've got to be motivated in our spiritual life. So many people will get disciplined in, in things in their natural life, but don't apply the same discipline to their spiritual relationship with God. I mean, think about it. You, you, I hear this all the time as a pastor. Well, I just struggle to read my Bible every day. Interesting, because you don't struggle to read Facebook every day. You don't struggle to read Instagram every day. You don't struggle to go to the gym every day. You don't struggle. So it's not like you have a, some internal malfunction where you cannot do this particular thing consistently. You've demonstrated that you can be very consistent in it, in all these other aspects of your life. The problem is it hasn't become enough of a priority for you to be intentional about it. That's just the bottom line. It's just the bottom line. But when we start being intentional and saying, God, you're my highest priority, and I'm going to show it in my actions and in my disciplines. So yeah, I'm going to keep going to the gym six days a week to get my body in shape, but I'm also realizing that my spiritual state needs to be in shape. And so I'm going to put my reps in. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be in your word. That's what we're talking about for this whole year. This is what it means to really be a follower of Christ. Because how many of you know, when, when the hard times come, you know, Ben will tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call the weekend warriors for help, right? The ones who aren't staying fit and staying ready and staying trained. No, I'm going to call the guys that I know are in it day in and day out, right? That are sharp, that are fresh, that are ready to go. Like, that's the kind of believer we need to be. Just too much for 11 o'clock? Y'all getting hungry? Romans 12, 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Again, just ask Tommy. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And men, it'll help you in your marriage. My wife's still waiting for me to get the gym thing. She's like, I need you to look a little, you know, you're getting a little. Come on, it's going to help my marriage if I come home and I got a little more strength, you know. She's going to appreciate me a little more. I don't know. That's for free. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Your vision will help you deal with the pain in your life. And listen, we're all going to have pain. We're all going to have it. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And did we not talk about uh, a couple months back about Jesus said there will be suffering in this world. It's unavoidable. The difference is when we're going through our suffering with that vision of where God is taking us and what he wants to do in our life, it helps us endure it. It helps us endure it. Next, uh, your vision won't happen overnight. Come on, we all love, you know, the, the success stories that we see, you know, the person who became instant success overnight. Can I tell you, no one really becomes an instant success overnight. Even those people that look like they've become, an, it's just because you've just now found out about them, but they've actually been doing things and been intentional on their way to be successful for uh, some time before that. There's no such thing as a shortcut, at least not one that's, that's going to lead to anything fulfilling. But we live in a generation that grew up with, with video games, so we're looking for the cheat code, right? We're looking for the hacks, which what really means is how can I get to where God wants me to go without any discomfort? How can I get there without having any obstacles? Can I just be honest with you? You can't. And people older than me and wiser than me have told me for a long time, anything worth doing is worth doing right, and it's going to take some pain to get there. It's just how it is. 
And here's the thing about that, and this is, I just feel like God's kind of having me camp out here for a minute. There's purpose in pain. We don't understand it. We don't want to deal with that. But can I tell you, I never forget when God showed me in one of my devotional times, the Bible says that God is near the brokenhearted. How do you experience God being near to the brokenhearted if you've never had a broken heart? You can't. It's just ethereal. It's just head knowledge. But when you've had your heart broken, when you've gone through a tragedy, you've experienced a devastation, and then you feel God just surround you with his love and the Holy Spirit just comfort you, all of a sudden you understand God is with me. And it changes you. Can I tell you the greatest thing that we're going to do in our life is, is get to know God? Everything that we experience, we can win in life, even when it's tragic. And I'll tell you why. If your definition of winning is knowing God more, that is our number one goal in life, is to know him. That's why he sent his son, so that we could be in relationship with him. I don't have time to go into all that, but your pain has purpose when it is connected to the vision that God has given you for your life that you're pursuing. And you know what? I'll add this. You need to surround yourself with people that are, are going to help you pursue that vision. People that, that know you and, and you've shared, hey, I feel like God has spoken to me to do this in my life. Good. Then you want to get surrounded by people who are like, I'm in agreement with you. And I'm going to encourage you. Those times that you want to quit, that you want to give up, guess what? I'm going to be right here to tell you, no, don't give up. You can make it. God made a promise and he gave you a vision. That means he's going to fulfill it if you don't quit. But so many people can't deal with the waiting. I love this. My pastor, Londine, that I was uh, working with probably 15, 20 years ago, he still pastors a great church in, in Castleton, New York, in upstate New York. That's outside of Albany area. And he used to tell me this as a young man all the time. He said, Keegan, the timing of God is more important than the will of God. The timing of God is more important than the will of God. And I, of course, I didn't know what he meant when he first said it. But then he would go on to explain it. And, and what I realized is that you go all through scripture and you'll see God shows up and gives people vision. Just look at King David. Right? He's a boy. He's out tending the sheep. And God sends Samuel to come and it says, line up all your sons. You know, God's told me to come here. I'm going to anoint the next king. And, and you know how the story goes. They line up everybody but David. And then he's like, no, it's none of, none of these guys. Even though they're all good looking sons or whatever, but it's none of them. So they get David. David comes. Samuel's like, that's him. That's the one. So he gets anointed. Hey, you're going to be king. And how many of you know, he, he doesn't just pack him up and take him to the palace right then. No, he goes back out to the, to the pasture. So now God's given him this great vision for his life. I've called you and anointed you to be the next king. But guess what? It's not happening today. It's not even happening tomorrow. Matter of fact, it's going to be about another 15 to 17 years before David steps into that. Same thing with Joseph. We're going to look at his life in a minute. From the time that Joseph got his dream to the time that he saw his dream fulfilled is at least 20 years. Some of you, God has spoken things to you. He's given you a vision for your life. Five, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're still waiting for it, and you, and you might be in that place where you're just like, I don't even know if I really even heard God, or, or I have all these doubts, or I'm disappointed, or I've just even given up on it. And so you stop pursuing what God has called you to do in that direction because you've, you've just lost faith in God in that. Can I tell you? God's timing is more important 
than just his will. Just because it's not happening overnight or when we think it should happen doesn't mean God lied. It doesn't mean that God made a mistake. It doesn't mean that God has changed his mind. It doesn't mean that God has pulled the plug on your dream, on his dream for you. Come on, if, you, if you've had a vision from God, a godly vision, I'm not talking about, well, God just called me to be rich and famous. Okay, maybe he has. So that in whatever capacity you have, you can bring him glory and you can lead other people to him. Maybe he has. Like, hey, just tithe, okay? If you get rich and famous, just don't forget your local church. <laughs> um, but we've got to, I just feel like you've got to pick it back up. And keep it in front of you. Come on, does the Bible not say that God's not a man? He doesn't lie. Right? If he said it, it's going to happen. You've just got to stay the course. I'll move on. Genesis 40 and 1. says, After this, the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. And in 40 verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You need to go and read that whole story. But to sum it up for you, to paraphrase... Joseph gets this dream as a young boy, right? He's got this coat of many colors, and he's, he's feeling all swagalicious, you know, and I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but he's, he's rocking his coat, and he gets these dreams, and, and what does he do? He goes and tells his brothers and his parents about his dream. Hey, guys, guess what? I had two different dreams where all y'all was bowing down to me. Needless to say, they weren't as excited about his dreams as he was, right? They're looking at this little... Young boy, like, what in the, who do you think you are? You know, like, and so they get jealous, they get angry. That's what they do. They dig a pit and they throw him in it. They rip his coat all up. They mangle it, put some animal blood on it and go back and tell his dad, man, the, just, the animal just tore him up. I'm sorry, you know, he's, he's gone. And then to cover that sin, they think, well, we can't just leave him around here. What if, you know, so let's just sell him to these slave traders. That sounds like a good idea. And so they send him off, and, and, and the story goes, and then he ends up, you know, being falsely accused of, of trying to make a pass at Potiphar's wife, and, and so then he gets thrown into prison, you know, and, and it's this crazy story, and it started with a dream that God gave him, and now he's going through all this stuff before he ends up here in this prison talking to the baker and the cupbearer, and, and he interprets the dream so that they can even get out, and and, and he sees, and, and he's like, hey, just don't forget about me, too. Like, tell him, you know, where you got the information from, right? And, and it says he forgot him. The chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. Once he got out, thanks, Joseph, see ya. And he just says nothing. How many of you have ever felt forgotten? How many of you feel forgotten right now? Sometimes we, we feel forgotten by the people that aren't supposed to forget about us. And it's hard. Sometimes we feel forgotten by God himself. Go read through the Psalms. You'll see Asaph and David and, and others, they felt the same thing. They're, they're sitting there wondering, God, like, hello, I'm still here. Like, did you forget about me? Which, by the way, would feel like about the worst thing that could happen to anybody is God himself forgetting about you. I mean, it's okay if, you know, one person forgets about me. There's a lot of other people that still remember me. But if God forgets about us, we're in big trouble. But can I just tell you, he doesn't forget? Wherever you're at, right here, right now, God has not forgotten about you. And he hasn't forgotten about his purpose for you. He hasn't forgotten about his vision for your life. He has not forgotten about you. But you got to stay faithful. 
Genesis 41.1, at the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing beside the Nile. And this is when the story unfolds where then they call Joseph. Another two years, he had to sit in that prison waiting to get out. And then we all know how the story ends. Then finally, he gets out. He becomes second in command. There's a famine. God gives him wisdom on how to prepare for it so that there's enough food. And lo and behold, his family ends up coming. And what do they do? Not even recognizing who he is, they end up bowing before him. But it didn't happen overnight. Lastly, your vision outlasts you. 1 John 2, 17. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Say, we do not give up. Come on, say it like you mean it. We do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. It can only happen if you're spending time with God each day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Is eternal. We've got to stay focused. And I want to give you, as we close, three steps to developing a personal vision. Number one, discover the why of your life. Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book. And planned before a single one of them began. So we're going to have uh, some worksheets available. You don't have to go to the slide just yet. Um, but we want to give you a tool simply that you can use to kind of get into this process of finding out what is God's vision for my life. It starts with, you know, you've got to find out why. Why did God make you? Well, I know first and foremost, he made you to be in relationship with him. That's, that's number one. But other than that, why did he make, what, did, what did he make you and create you to do here on earth in your lifetime? We need to know that. You know, John Mavir wrote a book some time ago called Driven by Eternity. It's a good thing to, to have the eternal destination be your starting point to frame the rest of your life. Right? We need to think about what do we want people to say about our life when we take our last breath? What do I, what do I want my daughter? Now, I'll just tell you, my personal, my personal thing that if, if my daughter is going to stand at my grave and say anything about my life, this is what I've told my wife, I want my daughter to be able to say of me that my dad obeyed God. Not that I made however much amount of money, not that we did any X amount of things, but I want my daughter, I want my legacy to be that my daughter knew that whether I wanted to at times or whether, whether it was hard, I obeyed God. That's my why. Next, you've got to determine the what of your life. What has God called you to do? What has he put in your hands to do? Some of you work in the medical field. Like I said, some of you are in retail. Some of you, you know, you might spend all your working days in a cubicle. You might be a brilliant software developer or engineer or whatever. You might be, you know, picking up trash. It doesn't matter what God's called you to do or what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. And what the greater sense that you have of God's purpose in your life in doing it. 
Who are the people around you that you get to influence, that you get to share God's love with? You can have his purpose in whatever it is that you're doing. But ask him, what do I do with my life? What vocation should I pursue? Some of you know, if you're not called to be a doctor, it's going to be really, really hard to become a doctor. I mean, it's hard as it is, but especially if that's not what God's called you to do. Maybe he's called you to be an attorney. Maybe he's called you to be a teacher. But can I just tell you, it's going to go a lot better for you when you're in the will of God for your life. And he does have a specific will for your life. He doesn't leave us running aimlessly around. Some people do that, and it's just because they don't have vision for their life. But they're not excited about it. You know, people get to the end of their days, and the the regrets are that usually they didn't spend enough time with the people that they loved, and that they feel like they wasted a lot of their days. This is how you fix that. This is how you prevent that from happening. You get God's vision for your life and go after it. I'll tell you, take your last breath. And last, develop the who of your life. This speaks to who's in your life, the relationships that you have. Number one, you've got to prioritize God in your life. It can't just be a mental ascension thing of, you know, if somebody asks me who's the most important person in my life, it's God. Okay, how does that look in your life? Do you spend time with him? Do you spend time reading his word? Do you spend time worshiping him or sitting and just listening to him? No, I don't do any of that. Well, then is he really as high of a priority in your life as you say? And listen, we all have to, we all have to test our hearts and deal with that. Just because I'm up here as a pastor doesn't mean that I don't have to constantly be mindful of that. God, did I actually spend time with you this week? Or am I just trying to go about doing things in my own ability, you know? So I've got this, it's called a personal vision pack. This is something that Pastor uh, Stephen and, and the team developed. And we just want to give this to you. If, if you want it, it's going to be available. It doesn't cost anything. You can just take it. But this is just a simple tool that you can use prayerfully to just take some time and ask God to show you what is, what is your vision for my life. And to begin to just fill this out. And I think God will speak to you in some profound ways. And he'll really give you that sense of direction. And I'm telling you, when you start living like that, when you start living in the direction that God has designed for you, the lane that he's created for you, it changes everything. So pick one of these up. And if we run out, we'll print more for next week. You can let me know. Is that good? Did you get something out of this today? How many of you feel like you do have a good vision for your life from God? It's okay if you don't. How many of you would say, you know what? I really don't. I really never thought to ask God that simply. You can do that, and he'll speak to you. Let's pray. And I want to give you a moment. Maybe some of you, you know, you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about God. And honestly, maybe the reason you haven't asked God what his vision for your life is is because you don't know him. I want to help you with that today. I want to introduce you to Jesus because he does care for you. The Bible says that he formed us in our mother's wombs. Before we ever took our first breath, he knew all of our days. God knows how our life should go. And if you don't know him, you're just winging it. <laughs> it's the best you can do. But there's so much more 
if you'll just surrender your life to him. So I want to give you that opportunity today. If you just recognize that you need God today, I'm going to lead you through a prayer in just a moment. But I also want to speak to those that maybe you've made a commitment to Christ, but honestly, you've just kind of let that relationship just drift to where if you're honest, you're really not asking God to help you in life. You're not asking him for his direction. You really don't spend any time reading his word. You don't spend any time in prayer. You really don't have much of an interaction with God at all. But today, you can recommit your heart to him and surrender to him. So I just want to pray for those two things. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone this morning. But this is between you and God in your heart. If that's you and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. And I want to know his vision, his purpose for my life to live out the rest of my days. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you for those hands. It's the best decision you will ever make. It's the best decision any of us will ever make. I'm just going to ask the whole church just to pray with me. And if you raise your hand, I want you to just pray this from your heart to God. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for putting breath in my lungs, for helping me get right where I'm at right now. I acknowledge that I need you, that I need your direction in my life. I'm tired of living my own way. And today, I surrender to you. I ask you to come into my heart to become my Lord and my Savior. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my days wholeheartedly. And I ask you, Lord, to give me vision of what you want my life to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless y'all.